They have viewed his TED Talk online called Togetherness Without Tragedy. We've invited him here to share his thoughts on how we can work together. Well, uh, <clears throat> I feel like I got a really serious warm-up over here in the conversation we were having. I don't know if you saw stuff start to fly or not, but Martha um, taught me some things. I got a real education from her, uh, and so I'm very glad for that. So I'm, I feel like I'm in mid-season form right now, even as I start my little talk. So um, I am honored to have been asked to come and speak tonight. Uh, I think that uh, whoever was responsible for the invitation um, exercised the very thing that I'm going to be talking about, which basically is to uh, drop the perceptions that come with some of the labels that we have and try to find togetherness without the catalyst being a tragedy. <clears throat> so uh, but the first thing I promised Bentley Gilbert was that I would give a library update. So for all of you library fans in the room, which I believe is everyone, today at 4 o'clock in the Ford Library Room was the very first ever meeting of the Roseburg Library Commission, which was historic because nobody can remember the last time a commission started in the city of Roseburg. It's been a long, long time. So starting from scratch, the city of Roseburg is uh, basically taking on the expense and the responsibility of reopening. Uh, Lance Colley wouldn't like me to say it that way, but because uh, we're not reopening the Douglas County Library's headquarter, headquarter library, we are opening the very first ever city of Roseburg library. So that's, that's what's happening. Yes, but it's always been owned by the county, is the point. Or maybe I should turn the mic over to you and learn more about libraries, because without a doubt, I don't know enough to know what I don't know. So, um, Well, I'm going to double-check my facts and never say that again until I get it right, for sure. Because the other, the other part of being able to speak like this is one of the hardest things about being a city councilor is getting accurate information out, because apparently Facebook lies. Who knew? But um, so, library commission. So uh, we have six people on this library commission, including somebody who was with the Friends of the Library, one person who was in on the staff of the library for about 20 years. We have a Ford scholar who is back in Roseburg only because of the scholarship that she earned from Ford family, and she has world experience, and she's on the commission. We also have somebody who moved here recently with a master's in library library sciences who has been a library director in the past and we have a teacher who's been in the Roseburg school system for over 20 years so the people around the table except for me are extremely qualified to be there and the city of Roseburg library is really going to be in great hands the goal in fact today the director accepted the job I, we can't announce that yet. That person needs to go through sort of a background check and all that kind of thing. 
So the director is on his or her way, and construction should begin in mid-June. Douglas ESD is going to take one half of the library as a co-tenant, and then the city of Roseburg library will be on the right side. There'll be a new children's library that's built inside on the, on the west side of the building, and that construction should begin in mid-June, and our goal is to open that library and never close it again in October. <laughs> So, that's all really cool stuff. And you got the news here first. That's also kind of fun. How about three public meeting rooms? Yeah, the Ford room is going to remain public. That's a common area. Yeah, so ESD, city, we're not taking that away. No. And that, that's where we had the meeting today. I insisted, like, we have to have our meetings there. And so, anyway, those are really good things. And so, so being a city councilor is great. I mean, I, hey, it's been fun. You know, I like it a lot. But uh, I'm not here to talk about city council tonight. In fact, I'm not here to talk about local politics. I'm not here to talk about the election tonight. I'm not here to talk about who should win or lose. I'm not here, but I'm, I want to stay above all of that because we have a much larger task in front of us, which is to talk more about how we can get along and understand each other a little bit better. And I want to preface everything I'm about to say with the fact that I'm not an expert on this at all. I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist or anything. I'm just a guy who really cares about the community. I came up with this, I had this thought occur to me like 15 years ago that allowed, that, that eventually became the topic of my TEDx Roseburg talk in July. I had two really big things happen in July. One of them was the opportunity to be part of TEDx Roseburg. The other was I was the local nominee uh, scholarshiped by the Whipple Foundation uh, for an organization called ALF, the American Leadership Forum of Oregon. And I'll tell you more about ALF here in just a couple of minutes, but people like Carol Whipple and Joyce Axey and Susan Taylor and um, um, Vanessa Becker and Jake Gibbs uh, asked me if I would consider being in the ALF program and I accepted it and then I found out later that the Whipple Foundation pays like $10,000 for me to be in this group and it's, uh, it's a huge, huge honor, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I wanted to talk about ALF in just a second. The first thing that happened there in, in July was this TEDx talk. So about 15 years ago when I was at the radio station and if you've seen the TEDx talk, which was your homework by the way. So if you did watch it, this is going to be redundant. If you didn't, but I feel like I have to catch everybody up, you know, for the kids that didn't do their homework. So um, about 15 years ago, uh, if you don't know, I was a broadcaster at Brook Communications. I was on the radio, did a lot of news and sports, got to travel all over the country and be a radio sports announcer. It was a great, very, very enjoyable experience. And um, one day after, you know, as a news guy, you're always just all the good and bad things that happened in the community happened right in front of you. And um, there was a, a car accident and some kids got killed and, and the community really came together around the family. And after that, this thought occurred to me and it was, why do we have to have the tragedy to get the togetherness? Like, could we have had September 12th, 2001 without September 11th? 
Like, could we have had that amazing scene at UCC on October 5th, that Monday when school went back in, without there being October 1st? Like, why does it, why does it take the tragedy? And there's a lot of psychology behind that, and their books have been written about why that is, but I'm looking at it and saying, is there any possible way that we can create that togetherness factor? I also like to call that um, sort of building bridges, you know, hope. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could call that, but I called it Togetherness Without Tragedy, and then got to do this TEDx talk, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny to watch that because on one hand, it's not a great TEDx talk because there's supposed to have visuals and science in there and stuff, and it was just me talking, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, I take myself way too serious the whole time. And, but it seemed, all I cared about with the TEDx talk, the only thing I cared about was that that idea of togetherness without tragedy didn't die that day. All I cared about was that somebody got it and brought it up again and I could continue talking about it. And so that's why tonight is so such a thrill for me because somebody, it, it resonated with someone here and they said, hey, we want to hear more about that. And that is, that's why I'm so honored to be here and why this is so important to me. And it makes me so happy that uh, I get to keep talking about this. Um, so part, the first part of the talk is this concept of togetherness without tragedy. Then the second part of that TEDx talk is, so how do we get there? The concept that there could be a great equalizing positive force that follows some kind of global tragedy is not true. That's naive if I were to ever sit here and say, you know, we can, we can globally, let's do a thing and rally a bunch of support. There's no equal and opposite reaction to tragedy. So if it can't be on a global level, then how can we get to that point? And so I just settled in my mind over the years of thinking about this. It has to be one-on-one. -on -one. It has to be a choice that we make. And it has to be in the way that we relate to one another. There's no other way to get to that together. It, it literally has to be a choice. So I suggested in the TEDx talk that the best way for that to happen would be for us to find somebody we know of, but we don't know real well, that sits opposite of us on any, any political, sp spiritual, whatever, whatever the difference is bar, find that person who, who you will never talk to and go talk to them. Like take them to coffee or go get lunch with them and just get to know them a little bit. And I saw this happen around the UCC strong response. So after what happened at UCC, I was doing a lot of work with the United Way. I have a marketing company and sort of a nonprofit consultation marketing firm. And, um, of course, United Way was responsible for the money that was coming in for UCC Strong, and we knew we needed to create an, a group of people who would be responsible in how that money was distributed, because we knew previous, unfortunately the list we're on, previous places where this had happened, the body that oversaw the money would get sued routinely, so we didn't want to get sued, obviously. So as we put this group of people together, and the first time they were all in a room together, you look around the room and though you know, Douglas County, we struggle a little bit with diversity, 
but it was a diverse group. I mean, you had different socioeconomic backgrounds, you had different ages, you had different education background, you had different sexual orientation. There were all these places where there could have been a breakdown in the unity in the room. But what happened was, obviously in that situation, there was a much larger goal and that was, that was so much more important than any petty differences that the people could have around the table. So that, to me, was the first time I'd actually seen people drop their opinion of one another, forget about perceptions and labels, and just go to work. And there was a respect level in the room as well. And it was powerful, and it was amazing, and, and UCC Strong still hasn't even disbanded. There's still some money in the account because we still don't know what the impact is on people. And we don't know what the next symptoms are that will come out of somebody who saw something that day. Um, and so we're still healing, obviously. So at almost the same time as the TEDx talk, I was introduced to ALF, again, American Leadership Forum of Oregon. And here's, here's how ALF works. About 30 years ago, in fact, Carol Whipple was in class one, uh, some liberal urban people decided they were kind of tired of all the power in the state of Oregon residing in the hands of middle-aged white guys. So they went to work to try to create a network of people who came from totally different backgrounds or somewhat different backgrounds. And for a year, they would meet. First, they met for a week with no cell phones. Of course, 30 years ago, that was easy. But for a week, and then every month, we get together for two days in a different place around the state of Oregon, a little like the National Guard. But, um, so the concept is to create respect between people who otherwise would never, ever cross paths. So I'm in class 34. Um, about half, well, about 40% of our 20 people in the group are African American. About, we have three Latinos in the, in the group. And about 40% of the people in that group also are uh, gay. And I am the only rural, white, straight, conservative, married guy from a rural place. And, I, and so I felt like I was being judged. Because our week which was supposed to be up at Tokadi, but ended up over at the Mill Casino on the coast. We did a lot of stuff around Cape Arago. Um, it was the week right after Charlottesville. And here I have really angry black guys in this room. And yet, the un, there, there was unconditional acceptance for every person in that room that I've only felt in one other place and, and that was a, like a church setting where the guys were just real. But Can I ask a question? Is this a statewide group? It is a statewide group. Statewide group. Yes. So like we have most of the people are from the Portland area, a couple people from Salem. Uh, one of the Douglas, uh, Count, Klamath County commissioners was in our group, Kelly Minty Morris. But the people in that group are like the director of the Black United Fund, the number two guy in the DHS, the director of the Oregon Food Bank. Somebody who had been Kate, um, uh, <laughs> Governor Brown's chief of staff for like a year. Um, somebody who is the uh, Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Linfield, who is Latino. Uh, 
the director of the, or well, he's not the director now, but uh, with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, these people have these huge jobs. And, uh, but the, the key and the point is uh, when you are sitting in a room with 20 other people who are completely different than you are, of course there are labels that come. I've shared some of the labels now. But what happened was the perceptions that are supposed to come with those labels never showed up. Because when you sit down and you look a person in the eye and you find out about their experience and you allow them to talk and you don't talk and you're just listening deeply, there's a respect thing that happens that is unbelievable. And I'm getting chills right now because I remember what it was like to just not only get learn to respect people that are so different than I am, but also to see them respecting me and my perceptions on things which are different than theirs. And at one point they said, I might be the most important guy in the room because I represent the dominant culture in Oregon. So the more I could learn about these other cultures and what it's like to be black in Oregon or a woman anywhere, uh, powerful stuff, really big. The other part I wanted to make sure I mentioned is they buddy you up with someone because that person is really the closest person you're gonna have in this experience. And my buddy is a gay black professor from University of Oregon. And we had a really interesting night, the first night uh, that we were there because um, we started talking politics and uh, I had to explain a few decisions I made that he didn't agree with um, that I'm not sure I agree with now. But, um, when, but there was a point where I actually asked the room, yeah, like I said, don't judge me because I'm white. And it's funny because that's now, that's exactly what, of course, most of the people in the room deal with and being judged just on their skin. So you can see how the concept of togetherness without tragedy melds perfectly into what ALF is teaching me. And um, we, I've had uh, just these, these meltdown moments when Somebody I really deeply care for, uh, actually two black women from Portland who said they will never set foot in Roseburg because they're afraid of this place. And, and when I would think about people in, that were different than me that didn't agree with any of my philosophies, I would think, oh, they just, they're, it's just a disagreement or they don't like the way I think or it's just, it's no big deal. And then I met some of these people, and there are people who truly live in fear every day because of the color of their skin or their orientation. And that isn't new, obviously, but it's not okay by any stretch. So I would come back from ALF weekends, you know, and I'd run into all my conservative buddies, and I'd start telling them about all the stuff I'm learning, and they would just, some of them, not all of them, would just, they'd be, oh, that's a bunch of PC crap, man. You're just, the liberals got you, man. Don't, don't drink that Kool-Aid, you know. And I'd go, they're afraid to come to Roseburg. That is not okay. It cannot be okay. What are we going to do about it, though? That's the hard part, of course. So, oh, man, I'm pounding on the podium now. <laughs> so, um... So the, what's happened with me with 
ALF and how it plays into trying to accept other people who are different than us and try to ignore some of the perceptions that our brain's telling us we're supposed to believe when we meet somebody. Um, what, what's happened here is I've voluntarily subjected myself to a completely different set of circumstances. I've voluntarily stepped outside of my circle, which in Douglas County, Oregon, uh, when you talk about racial things and it gets a little too intense uh, and you stop the conversation, you can just turn around and then just see a whole bunch more white people, right? Like there's no confrontation there that's real. And ALF has created this laboratory where that happens, where people are stepping outside of their circle and learning things. But it just doesn't happen naturally. Like who's going to subject themselves to that? And not very many people do. And I don't know the answer to how to make that happen more. But, and I don't have a lot of answers for a lot of the things that I've proposed here tonight, but I'm just thinking in the question of so what and what can we do, it's just, it's just the effort to seek out people that you know you're going to disagree with, get to know them on a level, offer them respect, get to know them on a level that is going to get deeper than just a label and and prepare to uh, prepare to love them even if you disagree with them because unless we start doing that more this divided environment we live in is never going to change in my TEDx talk I talk about this this spectacular series I found on Netflix called The Kindness Diaries. It's the coolest thing. This New York stockbroker named Leon Legothides, he's British, he decided that he'd had enough and that he knew there was kindness in the world and he was going to go find it. And so he wrote some books and then Netflix did a series as he got on this bright yellow sidecar motorcycle in LA and his goal was to drive all the way around the world with help from shifts, but go all the way around the world with no money, except only the kindness of strangers, fuel, food, hotel, or overnight stays, just from people he met. And he would find somebody every time. I think he slept in his motorcycle like three times or something around the world. But the cool part is he had a gift for people. If they really went out of their way and had an amazing story, he would gift them um, something that would really just make you cry is amazing. And I, I, I was so inspired. And uh, one good thing about social media is normally you can reach out to somebody and connect with them. And I connected with Leon. And I told him about togetherness without tragedy. And I'm like, could this be as big as your idea with kindness, you know? And he said, well, yeah, I think it could. And I'm like, what's the key, man? And he goes, be the change. Be the change. And so I took that and I'm thinking, okay, then my job is to find places where I can get to know people deeper than just what they appear on the surface. And even if it's just one person individually, if each of us become the change, then obviously we make a, we make a difference. And not every group of people is capable of hearing this and actually going out and doing something about it or taking this idea and actually running with it. 
But this group of people clearly cares about community and people. You're here, you come out, you vote, you rally, you share information with people. And so you're active and you care. And so you're the perfect group of people to hear this, to say, hey, go find somebody you don't know who may not agree with you and see if you can find a way to communicate with them and talk to them and, oh my gosh, maybe love them into a place where we get closer and we get that unity, but the catalyst is not a tragedy that makes you do that. To me, that's a beautiful thing. It, and I, I think we're ready for that message because there's so much divisiveness, divisiveness, you know, the environment we live in currently, tonight, election night, the fear some people have uh, in this room for the way things are. Uh, it's scary. But I think the way to make a difference is simply to find somebody that you can connect with and love at a deeper level. So thank you very much for being here tonight. I really appreciate it very much. Excellent. Excellent. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy the health benefits. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, actually, Brian, I guess we were going to have some Q&A. I don't know if you have oh. yeah. questions that people sure. like. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> okay. Keep it short. I don't know. Well, I'm missing the budget meeting, you know, so uh, I don't know if it's good or bad that I stay longer. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah. Is that here? No. No. Okay. Um, I actually am thinking about uh, there's a new social media platform called Twitch, which is, it uh, sounds terrible, um, but is actually a live, it's like YouTube, but it's live, and um, people create channels and then start talking. And I was thinking about creating a Togetherness Without Tragedy channel where we could actually highlight things that people do like that and maybe even interview that person, you know? So I'm, you're, you're adding to my desire to do that. I just have a lot of projects I'm involved in right now, like libraries. How are we going to make those for black people? Wow. Or brown people, yeah. Jewish people, yeah. or, yeah, I mean, yeah. or women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, other than inviting them here or getting to know, I know, I really, do. I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I wish I did. Bentley? Um, I'm wondering if there are some intermediate steps maybe that are necessary for this to happen. I can think of one thing that I wish we didn't do that would make the 
place less scary. But for me to try to do this exercise that you're talking about with somebody on that, it, it'd be sort of a non-starter. Not that we couldn't get there, or that I couldn't get there, or me and some partner couldn't get there, even though we're, we're like this. I was on a nonprofit board one time a long time ago, and we had one of these being a better board member exercise one time, and this this guy, uh, we got paired up, and this guy said, you know, you and I have a lot in common, and I just was stunned. I couldn't think of what it was. <laughs> and it, tur it turned out that we both liked politics. He was very far at one end, and I was very far at the other, but unlike anybody else on the board, the practical nature of politics, running a campaign and that sort of stuff was something we did a lot and had experience with and enjoyed. It certainly helped our board out because we could push a decision that some of the other people mm -hmm. on the board could. But it just, is there an intermediate step or are there some things to look for or things to avoid so you just don't either insult somebody or get stymied when yeah, I um, actually had heard about Father Manuel here in town uh, at St. Joe's, I think, um, who I think is from Guatemala. Um, and I, is he from Mexico? Because I thought he was from Central America. He used to be a farmer. Okay, you know him well. Again, I should check my notes and be more prepared for information I provide. Anyway. Father Manuel, because I was thinking about the Latino community in Douglas County. We never see them. We, you know they're here. We don't invite them to our events. They don't invite us to theirs. Well, um, so I called them up and I said, hey, um, now here's a mistake I made. I, I have the attitude of, hey, I'm, I'm a city councilor. I'm a businessman in Roseburg. I'm here to help you. Yeah, I learned that. Shortly after that, what a really ignorant thing that was. And by the way, I also have learned that intent does not excuse offense. You can have the purest motives and offend the you-know-what out of somebody. So um, anyway, called him up, said, hey, here's where I'm at. Love to talk to you. Um, but And the other element, too, is that you, you can't go into it thinking you're going to convert or fix someone. That's another huge thing in ALF. You're not here to fix each other. Don't try to fix me. I just need somebody to listen to me or let's talk about these things, you know, as adults. But so, and it isn't for everybody, obviously, too. I mean, you can't, I mean, there needs to be a certain approach of care and, and not reacting, maybe. I mean, you almost can't offend, you almost can't avoid offending somebody at some level when you're really asking questions about their life or their opinion on things. At some level, you're going to have that moment where you say something like I just described and not reacting to that gut, like, ooh, knowing that there's some work going on there, you know, and some learning and give and take is important too. So. But you and he are, are very strong people of faith, and you step out and work in the vineyards of Douglas County, so that might be an approach that you could take. Let's not talk about our differences, but let's, you know, we do this, and, and how do we do it for the same motivation and in the same way and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so there's a step that somebody else might not have. Well, right away you find out all the stuff you actually have in common. Maybe I mean, like raising organs. I mean, yeah. these are the things that would, would come out that they're not problems, but this person becomes a well-rounded person more rounded person to you. We, yeah. we like the individuals better than we like the group sometimes. 
Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I like people one at a time, yeah. for sure. Rick? Um, this may be slightly off the topic of one-on-one -on -one intervention, but I was wondering, the uh, Gay Pride celebration is coming up pretty soon. I was wondering if you'd be interested in sponsoring a proclamation in support of that. At the city of Roseburg level? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would. Yeah. I better go right back to you there. It's coming up pretty quick. Yeah, when is it? Is it in June? Um, who knows? Oh, Somebody must know. I, I tried to look it up, but I, I couldn't find it. <laughs> How can you keep Hispanic people from being scared to death that, yeah. you know, these things are out of our hands? And if you go and try to be overly friendly or something, they're going to be going, oh, wait, yeah. wait, you know, I, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you that being an ALF gave me a completely different, well, it gave me some context for DACA. Mm -hmm. Like the DACA decision or lack of decision happened, and I had complete context now for what that meant because I have friends in the Latino community in three different places up in the northern Willamette Valley who again are living in fear that um, and I learned that there actually never has been a legal way for Mexican immigrants to legally come to the United States or become citizens at least not since NAFTA 10 or 15 years of of not being able to legally so when I asked my friend who can remember by the way crossing the border with his family as a kid well okay, they're illegal aliens, so why can't they just get legal? Well, first of all, to suggest they're illegal aliens suggests that there's a legal way they can be here, so that's offensive. I mean, I, that, I stepped all over myself in asking that question, and, um, and his answer was... Well, I don't know everything about that and what it would mean or who would support it, so... I'm not. I, I'm not ready to answer that yet. Am I turning red? Because I can feel it. June 23rd, which is interesting because that's my uh, oldest daughter's birthday, and she is extremely uh, aware of and supportive of gay rights, and and so she would be actually all three of my daughters and my wife also would probably be down. Well, there you are. There you go. But that's something that the city so. council should do because they are everywhere. They're part of us. We are part of them. I agree. Oh, I agree. It'd be interesting. The conversation would be very interesting. So your question was, how do we how do we support or stand with or do something to show certain communities that we are there to support them or well, be there? I'm going to answer that a little bit with a different roundabout answer, but uh, my so Charlottesville, Colin Kaepernick, um, Black Lives Matter, DACA, uh, Me Too, so slavery, uh, Native American yep. <laughs> oppression, um, all these things, right? So I'm a white 
dude. So on some level, it was like my people or who I represent are responsible for all that stuff, right? So what do I do with that? And rather than, and I don't want to feel guilty about a bunch of stuff I didn't actually do, but what the, the big answer for me on all this stuff with ALF became, what is the correct response for me? Now that I'm woke to some of these things that we're talking about, which our little battle cry is hashtag stay woke, uh, which is cool. So I decided that the best I could do in some of those situations was just be there with the people who are suffering that oppression and just be there with them. Don't walk in front of them. Don't necessarily walk beside them. Don't tell them how to walk, but to just be there with them. So if there's a DACA march, which I know Alana Lenahan does those, and I was disappointed I didn't know ahead of time because it would be, it, wouldn't it rock? The f- <laughs> it would rock some people's minds if I showed up to one of these things. It would totally blow them away. I, I think it would be really awesome to stir it, just to stir it up, just to see their look on their faces. Some of the people that would be like, wow. So uh, that would be fun. But um, anyway, just, just the idea of just standing with someone who's going through it. And, and just to close, so um, one of my African-American cohorts in ALF, furious over the way Colin Kaepernick was treated. And his thing was, where are the white players? Why aren't the white players standing there or taking a knee? What's the deal? And I'm just like, oh, I can't take a knee on the sideline with Colin Kaepernick. What am I supposed to do? And just being aware of this and sort of feeling it with him is on some level, you know, a good step. And there's appreciation and love there and and thanks. And so, um, yeah, so I, and also the biggest challenge that I faced there was when I get back to Roseburg, how am I going to, where am I going to be when I have to call somebody out for something? If something is sort of a minor aggravated racial statement in a city council meeting, am I going to have the, you know what, to stand up and say that's wrong? I mean, I better, well, now you're making me accountable because I've got my 20 out friends that are like, dude, you better do that. And I'm writing some really big checks that my backside's going to have to cash at some point. Bentley's taking notes, so he's going to call me out if I don't. So I'm going to stop talking before I do too much more, you know, hang myself out there. But I uh, really love this conversation. And so I hope you do hold me accountable. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'll stand with you. All right. <laughs> so you have a meeting to do now, right? I do. And I didn't mean to take all your time. I have to go to the budget meeting or I'm going to get yelled at. I could just take that like this. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Yep. Thanks, I'm going to have to leave that. I'll just eat this. Go in the bar and get a bottle. All right. Well, I'm going to be good. So, all right. Thanks. Okay. I'll get you a speaking gig at the Gay Pride event. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And, um, and I sent you an email. Okay. All right. I'm going to turn the mic over to Norman Stroll, who would like to make a stop. He just wanted to say that. Welcome, Norman. Uh, that's incredible. Oh. <laughs> 
if there's anything I can do to help you on your mission, please let me know. My wow. name's Connie Page. Okay. I actually work at the Democratic office on Mondays for mm -hmm. four hours. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean yeah. No. Yeah. Because that's what we have to do. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. Yeah. So, okay. Connie, no, right? Go to Connie. Your thing. Okay. Um, yes. It's All right. Okay. All right. Thank Please you. reach out to me anytime. All right. Thank okay. You. Thanks. <laughs>